Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. It's a new season, season two of our podcast. Also a new season of Trailblazers basketball. We had our first, we're recording this Wednesday night instead of Tuesday because we had our first game tonight and we knew we were going to need to talk about it and we're wishing we were talking about it a little bit differently. We didn't win, but here we are. Dave, it's, it's been a lot of basketball for you tonight. How are you feeling? New season, same old problems, but uh, you know, it's, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, and actually I, I would, I would beg to differ. Even had Lillard hit that shot, uh, or the Blazers gone on to win it in overtime or whatever. I think I would still be talking about this game the same same way. I, I don't know if a loss can be called fool's gold. Usually a win is. But that this was a two or three point loss is kind of fool's gold. It is, uh, this was a rough outing, which we halfway expected, but it was a little rougher in some ways than I had imagined. I thought they would bring it together a little bit better. They just kind of didn't. It's it's good that they had a chance to win it at the end. CJ McCollum uh, did heroic things. Yusuf Nurkic was pretty good in the fourth quarter, but boy, that was um, that was tough to watch in some stretches. It's interesting because we watched preseason and we watched them struggle through preseason. And still, some part of my brain thought, hey, it's just preseason. It doesn't matter. We're going to come out tonight. We're going to kill it. We're going to win. It's going to be fantastic. This is going to be the start of something new. The championship is ours because, you know, that's where my brain goes. Dia, did you see the Terry Stotts picture on Twitter? Yeah, I reposted it and said, this is a mood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where was he? He was in the Timbers game with a beer in his hand. You know why? Because <laughs> he wanted to see a team that would give up less than 100 in three oh. quarters. Oh, okay. I will say I think this. the Timbers can manage that. The Blazers apparently can't. <laughs> I will say this. There were good things, Dave. There, there, were, there things were good that moments. Were good. Sure, sure, yeah. And, and there were things that I think are promising, especially in the first half. I feel like the, the third quarter in true Blazer form was rough. The third quarter felt like everything just fell apart. The first half was um, worse, I thought. The, really? Ahead. I don't yeah. think go the ahead. first half Give us your worse. impression. Let's, let's, okay. Yeah. So if the first half specifically, they were missing. First of all, I think the biggest issue tonight was shots weren't falling. I mean, obviously the biggest issue with any game that you lose is you didn't make enough shots. I get that. But they were taking some good shots that weren't going in, that in my opinion were solid. It was a solid choice of shot. It looked good. I thought it was going to go in and it just didn't. And sometimes you have nights like that. So, so that was a big issue. One. She's reacting to my facial. I've tried to keep my face <laughs> neutral. I really am. Although coach Dia, this sounds just like a, you, you should be coach. You, I, I uh, bet coach Billups is going to say something similar and coach Stotts did all the time. So did you know yeah. that I wanted to be a coach that that's the, what I, I went to college to be a PE teacher so that I could coach basketball. You would be so good. 
you would be I, you would be absolutely fantastic. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But that was a coaching line. That was great. I can hear you saying that about the sixth grade team. You know, we played well. Our shots didn't quite fall. It's uh, but that, that's what they're going to say about the Blazers too. Please, I mean, uh, it's continue. true. It's true. Um, well, I, actually, let's I, let's stop there. Actually, for I, a second, let me let me come back on that because there's there's a reason that the shots didn't fall. Well, uh, and I was going to th- say. Like, I, I, I get that, like, you have to make the basket for it to count. <laughs> I understand that. Just a disclaimer. Go ahead, Dave. Right. But look, they're not in rhythm. They're not taking the same shots they did. And even the three-pointers, like for different people, they're happening in different ways and in slightly different spaces. So you have Norman Powell shooting from the corner, which he didn't often do. You have uh, Robert Covington getting set up on uh, on the diagonal, which he didn't often do. I mean, he did some, but he's the corner shooter. They're, they're in different spots. Uh, you know, um, CJ McCollum is taking him off his own pull-up, which he usually got set up for threes last year. But Damian Lillard is semi the same, but he's Really, he really made a considerable effort to set up other people rather than look for his own shot through most of the game. So everybody's playing a little different. Now, that can be hopeful in that, yeah, they'll settle into this and then it will become the routine and then those shots will start falling. On the other hand, it's also kind of messing with a good thing because the players were shooting the way they were shooting and the places they were shooting because that worked. And the Blazers definitely did not get the quality of shots tonight outside that they were used to getting last year. They did get more quality shots inside, though. They were missing open shots for sure. It was a problem. Um, There was a lot, in my opinion, there was a lot less iso ball. Um, We saw more. It still happened, but there was less of it. It felt like last season that's almost all we saw every now and then something would happen. But a lot of the times the guys were just coming down and shooting it, coming down and shooting it. Like there's just a lot of, there was a lot of, a lot of ISO ball in this, this game. It felt like there was more ball movement, um, a lot more off the ball play. Um, and it just felt like there was more happening. Um, as a result of that, we're also having, like we talked about before, you're getting more turnovers because you're moving the ball more. Um, but that's something that we've needed. We've needed that ball movement. We needed to lessen our ISO ball because we can't play like that. We don't have, there are some people who can play that way and it works. We shouldn't be playing that way every now and then it works. But, but as a, as a strategy for life, like, we shouldn't be doing that. It worked for CJ McCollum. He scored 34. I mean, and he he took over a lot, especially with the second unit. He was scoring off his own dribble a lot. So I would argue that that what worked in Portland's offense, at least for the for the primary scorer tonight, was literally uh, him taking the ball in his own hands. I think it would have worked for Damian Lillard too, perhaps had he done it. He just did it less. Again, kind of playing in the system, but definitely he had a really really rough game. Like offensively, he was I think eight for twenty four. He was zero for nine from the arc, and not all that zero for nine is system oriented. Part of that is Dame, obviously, but he's not playing. He didn't play as aggressively this year or this game as as he did last year for sure. Again, one game, you can't tell anything, but it seems to me the part that really sparked was the part that was kind of isolation-based. But that's because that's what they're used to. That's what they, whoops, that's what they're used to. 
Um, so of course that's going to look easier and more natural and it's going to work because it's what they're used to. All the rest of this is new and they're having to relearn essentially how to play that way. When you have to relearn something, it takes some time to get into that groove and it takes some time to perfect it. So I, I, I have hope that as they do this more and more, it's going to get better. It's going to get more natural. It's going to work better. Um, right now, it, it's not as much. You also saw them not taking as many threes. They were, you know, they were driving in and they were, you know, in the paint a lot more. We were seeing more of that than we've seen previously. Um, so, again, I, I think they're making some shifts and I think that that's hard to get used to when you're playing a, used to playing a certain way. So, yeah, it works when you do what you've always done. Um, and I'm not necessarily arguing that this change is the best change. Um, but I do think that it's going to there are going to be growing pains along the way. And I think that that's some of what we saw tonight. Well, I mean, it did work tonight in terms of, I think they had 56. They were over 50 in the paint. I know that. I don't have it in front of me. They shot 48.4% from the field, which is a very high percentage. Those parts worked. They did exactly what they were designed to do. They even got 25 assists on 45 made buckets. That's higher than they're used to. So all those things worked. But here's the thing, is that for most of the game, the offensive production wasn't there that the point total did not live up to the increased percentage. And a, a big part of that was they thought shot 35% on threes. Uh, and as you say, they took fewer of them. So again, if we talked about this preseason kind of, will the higher percentage make up for the lack of three-pointers? Uh, can you make up more on fouls? Can you make up more on, you know, you, can you make up your deficit for committing more turnovers? Which actually they didn't do too bad tonight. They committed 12, I think. So they did okay. So A lot of them were in the first half. Yeah, I mean, that first half was really rough. But again, that first half was system ball. The second half, when they were behind 100 to 85 after the third period, it became pretty clear that they needed to do something to light up the court or they were just going to go down. That's where you started to see everything loosen up. That's where you started to see a little more of the hero ball, although McCollum played it throughout. And so, I mean, I think that... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a kind of a split personality game and really hard to draw anything from other than, I will say this, there is a potential that what they did worked, but it didn't work. That They succeeded in certain ways, but it didn't produce the results that they had hoped for. Now, whether you keep going in that direction, I mean, I think they will because one game says nothing. But we're going to have to watch and see how well they succeed at this system. And the scary thing is not that they fail at it and it doesn't work. The scarier thing is they succeed at it and, and it, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. Yeah, there's going to come a point where they're going to have to decide. They're going to have to look at this and evaluate and decide, do we keep pushing forward with this? Is it worth it? Or do we have to shift and change? Now, to me, the mark of a good coach, and, and we'll see how this goes, but one of the marks of being a good coach is the ability to assess and adjust. And if, if Chauncey Billups can't assess and adjust, we may be in trouble. He needs to be able to look at what's happening and say, "Is and, and I'm not saying to do that now because I agree with you. One game is not enough. We need to give this a, a solid chance. Um, but at that at, at some point, if this doesn't fall together quickly, they're going to have to look at the situation and say, okay, do we keep trying? Do we keep pushing this? Do we keep doing this? Or do we make changes and try to do better? Because essentially, 
that's where we ended up with stots um, and, and, and this inability to change and do something different. It's not going to be in Billups' hands, I don't think. That if the Blazers start out like one and four or, you know, three and seven or whatever it is, if they don't succeed, Dame and CJ are not going down like that, I think, and particularly not Dame. And they will probably either de facto take over the game in a way that nobody can argue with, or, I mean, potentially pull the coach aside and say, hey, you know, let's talk for a minute. We respect what you're doing. We respect you running the new system. It's not working right now. We need more freedom. We need more touches. We need more adjustment toward our role because we are the star players on the team. And at that point, Billups will almost certainly go, yep. I, I agree with you. Let's let's rewind. Let's start from a place where you're comfortable and build from there. Yeah, I have thoughts about that, but I don't know. Well, about it. if he doesn't, then that's an immediate fracture. You cannot be an NBA coach, especially in your first year, in your first two weeks, stare down Damian Lillard and tell Damian Lillard right. to go to heck. You right. you have to if 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 your superstar pulls you aside and says, I need this and we need to do this, you know, if you're Rick Carlisle might be slightly different, you know, but if you're Chauncey Billups, you say, all right. And again, I think it's just as easy as that. All right, let's start from where you're comfortable and let's build out from there. And we can do that. We can still adopt certain parts of this system, but let's do it your way. I'm not disagreeing with that. I actually 100% agree. My question is, why didn't we just start that way? I mean, maybe, yes. But again, look at, I mean, what was theoretically the problem last year? What's being sold as the problem last year? It was all what? Coaching. So... You don't want to, I mean, if it was all coaching, then you don't come in and start from the same place or the, you know, uh, natural no, place. No, but, but do we have to change it all at the same time? I think Tara tweeted something about this tonight. I think I tagged you and I don't know how close you were paying attention to Twitter during the game, but she basically said, maybe we shouldn't have tried to change the offense and the defense at the same time. And it's like, that, that's kind of what we've been talking about, that it's, that, that we had some things that were working for us and like... Uh, I don't know this. It just seems like so much change. I've never been good with change. Sure. But that also presumes that the Stotts offense had nothing to do with Stotts. I get that Chauncey Billups can do the X's and O's, but if, if Chauncey Billups is not really adopted or believed in this style of play, how does he come in and not touch the offense and just work on the defense? I mean, but, it's, but- it's possible, but I don't think that if your heart's not in it, it's like, okay, it's, it's like coming in and trying to take over uh, someone else's band and you're the lead singer, but you don't really like those songs. Yeah, you'll probably be able to hit the notes, but nobody's going to be buying them. No, I would I would argue that it's not so much about the songs as the style of music. You can come in and you can pick different songs, but let's keep the style of music the same. And if you don't like that style of music, then maybe you shouldn't have agreed to lead that band. I mean, too just late. Just saying. They just they just gave him a what five year contract to lead that. I band. know, but I'm just saying when you when you agree to coach a team with a top three offense maybe the move isn't to go in there and be like hey guys you know i know this worked this well for you before but let's just switch it up and now instead of playing country music we're gonna play hard rock like it's just i I don't know it just seems to me like there are some things that could have shifted with i don't know I don't know. Either way, I don't don't think the problem was necessarily on that end. Or if it was, the Blazers made that up. 
Okay, the the Blazers. I mean, they they had what seven points in the first six minutes or something like that. It was not pretty. It might have been nine. I don't remember. But they were not. Their first quarter was really ugly. Second quarter wasn't much better. But what really fell apart was the defense. That's where there were huge, huge problems. And they had no interior defense early. They really had. Not much late either, but two things conspired to help them. First of all, Sacramento seized up. Second of all, the referees stopped blowing whistles, which let the Blazers kind of go free inside and Nurkic especially. I mean, Nurkic easily could have fouled out of this game midway through the fourth, but the the refs called it different in the fourth quarter than they did in all the other ones. So uh, Nurkic was able to go free and that made Portland's interior defense look a lot better because they were getting away with fouls and bumps when Sacramento took it inside that they weren't getting away with earlier. But when the refs were calling it a little tighter and Sacramento was drawing fouls, Portland had no answer, no answer at all. They were getting killed inside by Mo Harkless, by Harrison Barnes, not even Darren Fox, which you'd expect. Darren Fox, you expect to rip you apart uh, in the paint. But like literally tertiary players were destroying them. And if they weren't getting layups, they were getting foul shots. And the only thing Sacramento couldn't do early, and I swear to you, the Blazers would have been down by 40 had they did had they done it, which is they couldn't hit an open three-pointer, not even Buddy Heald. I mean, nobody was hitting open threes very well for Sacramento. Otherwise, the Blazers would have been buried at halftime. Had this been Golden State, I'm not saying they'll play the same against Golden State in their next game, but had the Warriors been here against this kind of Portland effort, it would have been laughable. I mean, it wouldn't. It would have been an incredibly yeah, you, demoralizing loss. You can say the same thing about Portland, though, if they'd been because they couldn't hit their shots either. I mean, they were taking. That's what I said at the beginning. Like they were taking good shots. If they'd made those shots, it would have been a different game. Just yeah, well, like if, there was an order of difference, though. I mean, Portland was taking shots that were un, slightly uncomfortable for them. I mean, yeah, they kind of wanted them, but Portland got the shots that they wanted in the paint. Again, Portland got a lot of the attempts that they wanted. Sacramento. I mean, they were right in their offense. They were right there, okay? Uh, Just literally no one within miles of them. At least Sacramento closed, and that was part of it, is that not only were the Blazers in different spaces on the perimeter, Sacramento did a pretty credible job closing on them. They may not have gotten there, but at least someone was coming. Portland didn't even do that. I mean, it, it just, it, it was, it was just everything. I, I, I had a stat in the recap and Portland did pretty good. They had 93% of their points in high production areas, but Sacramento was like 96.8% or almost 97% of their points came at the foul line, the three point arc or in the paint. They literally never had to score anywhere else. They scored four points out of 124 outside of those three areas. That's tough. That I mean, when you're when you're scoring your entire 124 points basically on either threes, free throws, or layups. Wow. I mean, that's that's a little bit of a defensive problem. It's going to be interesting. It's it's going to be interesting. I think in the next few games, it's going to be interesting to see if this improves. Because that's going to be telling. Right. Well, I mean, and this stat that I cited at the beginning, too, I should mention this, the real killer. He gave up 100 points in three quarters again. I mean, that's that's the mark of a disaster. And it happened multiple times last season. If you're going to improve your defense, that's the one thing you won't, don't want to do. And to the Sacramento Kings, too. I mean, you gave up 100 points in three quarters to the Sacramento Kings. 
That's symbolically a black eye. I mean, that's not... But it's the beginning of the season. Maybe the Sacramento Kings are going to be a better team this year. So, I mean, it's hard to judge that fully based off of last year. I mean, they did well in the preseason. They did well in Summer League, which I know isn't their... I, I know, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here. They're not the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, it's not just, you know, had this been a two-point victory for the Kings, but the score was 109-107, and Portland defended well, and it was close throughout, I don't think this is a big deal. When yeah, you gave up 100 points in three quarters on opening night in a new system at home, when you actually out-talent this team pretty well. I mean, yeah. theoretically. I mean, you're you're making noises about maybe contending or at least being in the middle of the playoff bracket and Sacramento's hoping to get into the play-in spot and you did that. You showed who you are right there at least to start the season. And that's it's the way that it happened as much as what happened that that is telling. And they've got to fix that. There's also an argument I don't know if you're going to agree with me with this argument, but there's an argument to be made that, you know, stats don't tell the whole story. I, you're talking about the the high scoring and, and I agree with you. You're right. We didn't do what we needed to do. But again, there were flashes of it. There were points where I sat up and got excited because of the defense that I saw. At one point I yelled because CJ at one point, I'm not saying the whole game at one point, CJ was playing such good defense. And there were points of that that happened here and there. And I, every time this happens, because this isn't the first time that this has happened where we've seen flashes of it. And every time it happens, it's almost, I can't decide if it's exciting or infuriating because there's a part of me that thinks like, yes, it's exciting. We can do it. We it's there. The ability is there. Then there's a part of me that's infuriated because yes, we can do it. The ability is there. So why the hell aren't we doing it why if it's there if the ability is there if we have those flashes of greatness why can't we just do is it is it like lack of energy do we need to be conditioning more do we like what what why why isn't it consistent why can we see these flashes but we're not seeing the consistency like what is it why why dave why well i mean the answer to your first question about exciting or infuriating is it was exciting in 2015 it's infuriating in 2021 because this is this is a veteran team now. And you could go with the Neil Olshay answer. Well, it happens because they've been poorly coached for nine years, and it's hard to get out of those No, habits. I don't buy that. Well, I mean, there is a grain of truth in it, in that you're not able to turn that around overnight. But I will, I will say this. I mean, we said this in 2017, 2016, 2018, too. The Blazers don't really play like everything's on the line all the time. And I, granted, no teams do 100% of the time, but you know what? There are teams that do it until it becomes habit, and then they make the choice to turn it on and off, like your Lakers or your, you know, your championship teams. The reason they got to the championship is they played their hearts out, and they learned how to play super hard all the time, and then learned how to back it off and play efficiently for the win. The Blazers have never had part A. They just back it off and then come from behind and call it good or get to a Western Conference Finals and call it good. And this this idea, their definition of good is really good empirically is has been debunked over and over again. And this is kind of what happens, I think, that they just, yeah, they know what they should do. They know what they can do. 
they only do it occasionally. And that's in the culture of this team at this point. That's in the DNA of the franchise at this point. That's unfortunately, that's part of the one of the characteristics of the Damian Lillard era. And I don't know if it's sad because describes what Dame does. I don't think so entirely, although he's not free of it. But I think it's sad that they couldn't turn that around to take advantage of him. I mean, they had a chance to be so much more. This that you're seeing right now, being satisfied with doing the right thing every once in a while, is exactly why they haven't done better. Well, that and occasional roster deficiencies. Yeah, I mean, there there was a lot of bad. We'll just say there was a lot of bad. There was there was some good, which I do I do think is worth talking about. Cody Zeller, uh, Cody Zeller was some good. We struggled with rim protection. I mean, I think it's it's safe to say that when you've got a team that averages what like six three six four, you're going to struggle with that. But I will say, Cody Zeller. I was happy to have him tonight. He had some really good, flashy, big moves, but he also just worked hard. He did not slow down. When he was on the court, he was on the court. That man did not take a breath while his while he was out there. I think he's going to be one of these guys that that's going to have some big, flashy moves that we're going to get dunks out of him. We're going to get blocks out of him. We're going to get those things. But I think it's kind of the thing that I said about Larry Nance, that he's going to a lot. There's going to be a lot more to him than just what the stat line shows. I think he's going to be a difference maker in some small ways too. And I think just seeing his hustle um, and seeing how hard he works is, is going to be really good. There was, there was a story with Zeller and Nance and it was the same story, just with different slightly ways. They were both like Legos in different corners of the room that you're not quite building around, but they're good Legos. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you haven't gotten them out of the drawer and attached them to your building yet. Now, uh, Zeller, I think, actually got connected a little bit and the Blazers did take advantage of him with some screens. And But part of why you saw flashy plays was that they did kind of leave him out to dry and he responded. They also left Larry Nance Jr. out to dry. And he was a little more aggressive, a little less basic. And he ended up drawing fouls for it. Basically, he couldn't stay in the game because he had four fouls in 17 or 19 minutes or whatever it was. And couldn't stay in the game. And you felt him like wanting to run out ahead and, and really lead this. And literally, no one was following him. And he just got picked off. I mean, that's, that's the way it is. And if the Blazers can build around them, a structure around these really nice Legos, you're going to have some really solid walls there. But yep. until they get the rest of the Legos on them, they're just pretty pieces kind of in the corner. Yeah. And, and I will say that our second unit, I think, was a difference maker. I think our second unit has hugely improved from last season. And considering the fact that that we saw over and over and over again in the last couple seasons, we saw over and over and over again that our our starters would rest and our second unit would we would lose ground with them on the court. So I think if I think if we can have a second unit like that where they're not only are they not going to lose ground, but they might actually play well, that's going to be huge. So really, if we can get these pieces, like you said, if we can get these pieces to work together, there's potential here. One of my favorite lineups tonight was Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, Cody Zeller, and Larry Nance Jr. That was a fun lineup. 
Um, there, you know, I think there are pieces here that can be really good together that are going to be fun to watch and, and that are going to work. It's just a matter of getting them there. And it, it's, I think that that's part of why as a Blazer fan, sometimes it's so frustrating to watch because you're sitting here and you're seeing them all. If you want to go with the Lego example, you know, you're sitting in a room full of fantastic Legos. And you know what it's if you know what it's going to look like if you can put them all together. But for whatever reason, you just can't get it there, and it's frustrating because you can see it in front of you. You can see the picture on the box. You can see the pieces. You you can even see maybe what steps it takes to make the pieces look like the picture on the box. But something's still missing, and it's and it's it's it feels frustrating. We want our Millennium Falcon. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> that is way too advanced for me when it comes to Legos. We're lucky if I can make a, a wall. <laughs> I watch Lego Masters, and uh, that's kind of a fun show. But anyway. That's a show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, reality show. They get Lego builders. What they do with the Legos is pretty incredible. That said, uh, this Blazer show, not a reality TV show. So, uh, anyway. Yes, I agree. There, the asterisks are these, and that's not to contradict the point, but to provide perspective. Sacramento's second unit was terrible, so the Blazers looked good by comparison. And the Blazers shaded or cheated a couple ways. First of all, they played McCollum and especially Lillard long minutes. I mean, Dames played 40 minutes, so their second unit was augmented, and they may continue to do that. I'm just suggesting they probably can't play Dame 40 minutes a game all the time to keep their second unit up. The other thing that they did is they only played nine players. And Nas Little had, uh, I thought, a really good game, right? And that's what made that nine players work. But I think at some point, they're going to have to play 10. And at some point, I'm not sure Nasir Little is going to have a good game every night, which then makes that second unit look a lot worse because now it's only seven deep. Now, that could be counterbalanced by Larry Nance Jr. not fouling out in 19 minutes or whatever he did. So... You you could you also have momentum the other direction. Uh, it'll probably even out to where Portland's second unit will look better, but they're going to not be able to skimp or cheat the way they kind of did tonight to make that happen all the time. So I want to see who's consistent. I want to see who else can step up, uh, and then I think the point will become even more solid. Right now, I think it's kind of solid, but there's also some things we got to see. Yeah. I think you're right. And I, I mean, you're almost always right. I, I think you are. Oh I'd say again, let's just talk to my ex. No, <laughs> I think you have. You a... are. You are the one who counterbalances that in the universe. Dave's like 98% right. No, Dave's 98% wrong. Okay, there we go. Right down the middle. It's even. I mean, I can't speak to your, your you know food tastes but your blazer takes are, are right on sushi um and uh <laughs> and when you come to portland i'm gonna feed you some i am nope over my dead body i am the sushi is never happening you, i think vegetable sushi i mean no fish in it i don't like vegetables that's okay we'll have big mac sushi quarter pounder sushi we'll roll up we'll roll up a quarter pounder into a roll and cut it and call it sushi for dia that's awesome i mean ew okay sorry anyway, wow that took a turn um, <laughs> I think- and that will still not be as bad as portland's defense tonight okay anyway <laughs> the shoe that came off um oh yeah from the other team that went yeah. flying and uh-huh. kevin calabro saying uh 
uh, he said something. Yeah, I think it was the call. In my opinion, it was my favorite call of the night. Uh, you know, I mean, there was a lot of chaos there that was going on. The shoes flying off and things they are scrambling for the ball and all this stuff is happening. And um, and Kevin says he's fouled by Fox who got his shoe back. <laughs> it was just really funny. But um, somebody said uh, the shoe is the Blazers best defense of the night. And I cringed so 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 look what will happen i mean what they need more than shoes they they need yusuf nurkic to be in the middle and be solid and that will also require him to use his fouls wisely which i thought actually he did tonight pretty well all things considered the refs were just calling it tight early on he didn't quite adjust but okay if the refs will play him a little looser so he can be a little more aggressive that's going to transform things because if Nurkic can roam that middle ground up and down and be aggressive and move and try to block shots and be really energized, now all of a sudden you can have Covington and you can have Nance Jr. on the sides as wings to him. Either one of them will be able to make use of their mobility knowing that they don't also have to cover the middle and risk block shots or whatever. They can have quality block attempts and, and legitimate help instead of, oh crap, I got to get down here and stop this disaster from happening. <laughs> so uh, I think that will be, Portland's defense has got to build from the inside out like that. And if that happens, then I think they have a chance to improve greatly. If it doesn't happen, if, if, the, if the opponent drives in there and just does not care that Nurk is in there because it's a layup or a foul, I don't see anything helping this outside of maybe a Ben Simmons trade. Uh, there's just nothing, unless, unless the, the middle gets solid, there's nothing that's going to change this story. And by the way, you think opposing coaches weren't watching this? I mean, they don't have Darren Fox, but they have players who can drive. It's the first thing you learn in basketball. So, yeah, I mean... Th- they need to shore it up, and we need we need Nurk badly without fouls and with a solid presence in the lane. Uh, again, I agree. There's not really a lot more that I can say to that. I think you're right. Defense is key. It, it, we've been saying that for, I mean, we've been saying that since the beginning of this podcast. Defense for this team is crucial, and it needs to improve drastically while not losing our offensive abilities, which we struggled with tonight. So we, we need to see improvements there. I, I, I am curious about your thoughts on something. This was something that I saw, you know, becoming a controversy on Twitter after the game. Uh, a lot of people were saying that Dame shouldn't have taken the last shot. He was 0 for 8 at the time. Um, and CJ was, I think, like 6 for 11 or something like that. Uh, I don't know exactly. I'm not sure what his final... Uh, do you have it in front of you? Do you have the stats in front of you? I don't have the stats in front of me. Okay. I'm going yeah, I'm not, memory, but I'm not. I mean, CJ was like six for eleven from distance. Yeah, that's that's what I just said. I think so. I think we're right. Do you think it was the right call for Dame to take that, or do you think that they should have given it to someone else? I mean, it was obvious. It was obvious looking at the game that that's what had to happen. That a three point shot at the buzzer was going to be taken. So who takes it? Well, first of all, I don't like any analysis that depends on a quarter inch of difference and that's exactly what that shot was off it spooned in and out and he he took it from well beyond the top of the arc so i mean we would not be having this conversation if a quarter inch was different so there's no there's no good analysis to have in that moment alone i would say first of all 
Does anybody remember how the Blazers lost to the Lakers in the 1991 Western Conference Finals Game 6 with needing one bucket? And Terry Porter took it. And Terry Porter was really solid, had had a good game, had a good career, had a good everything. But who was the guy on that team? Do you, do you remember his name? The 1991 Portland Trailblazers, also 1990 and 1992. Remember who the star player is? Was on yeah, that? Clyde Drexler. Mm-hmm. And so Porter takes it. It rattles in and out. Magic Johnson catches it, tosses it up into the rafters in a video that's still replayed to this day. And the Lakers go on to lose to the Bulls uh, in the 1991 NBA Finals instead of the Blazers getting there, who had the best record in the league, tied with Chicago. Don't take the ball out of Clyde's hands. If you have a superstar, let that superstar have the first option. Now, if he passes it, which Clyde kind of did, but if he gives it up, that's one thing. But you don't coach the ball or fan backseat drive the ball out of your superstar's hand, no matter what kind of game he's had. And by the way, I'm trying to be polite and not swear. Have you watched (laughs) Damian Lillard like ever? Do you you, you know anything about Damian Lillard's career and what he's famous for? Do you want to, you know, go to YouTube and and, like Damian Lillard buzzer beaters? (laughs) You might want to you know, Google that one uh, and, you know, watch Paul Pierce, watch him take a, watch Dame take a bad shot, watch Dame run across the floor against Houston and clap for the ball and Nick Batum inbounds it and Mike Tirico goes crazy, you know, remember those plays? And and plus all the ones Dame literally has won against every team in the league. So, hey, if Damian Lillard wants to take the last shot, I don't care if Dame was 0 for 40. He's been, for the last nine years, the guy who does this. And you don't take one zero for nine night, or zero for eight at that point, and say that's justification for not doing literally what you do best. If you want an ice cream, you go to the good humor man. You don't go to the broccoli guy. All right? So Dame is the good humor man. When the clock runs down, you hear that music playing, you get your quarters, you go out, and you get your damn fudge sickle. And if he just happens to be sold out on that night, the next day you still go to the good humor man because that's who gives you the ice cream. All right, let's all slow clap for Dave. That was, uh, this is going to be a new, my new favorite thing on this show is, is finding some kind of take to get you to go off. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. Once again, Dave, you're right. Um, you know, I thought, I thought I actually laughed out loud when I started reading people saying, you know, why didn't they give to CJ? I think there's this often, you know, oftentimes we look back and we think, well, we should have done this. Well, we should have done this. Well, no, this was the move. CJ could have missed it too. Um, and the fact of the matter is that Dame is Dame. This is what, like you said, this is what Dame does. And Dame has earned that trust. Forever. Team. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. That if you have a, a clutch situation, Dame is the guy you want the ball in his hands. I mean, that there was there was a poll that came out. I don't remember if it was coach. I think it was coaches where they said if uh, anybody in the league, if there's a clutch shot that needs to be made, who who do you want the ball in their hands? And Dame was like, I think Dame won the poll, if I'm not incorrect. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Durant was up there, too. But listen, fan yeah. guy. 
if you are coaching the 2073 Blazers and you need a last second shot, you go to shiny <laughs> Find Me- Dave you, in the bleachers. No, you go to Shiny Meadows Assisted Living Home. <laughs> you go get Damian Lillard, plop him in his wheelchair, wheel him out, set a screen for him so he can wheel to the arc, hand him the ball, and let him shoot it. That's how forever this will last. <laughs> oh, that was fun, Dave. It was, I agree. You know, you you can't make them all. And Dame has made a very high percentage of them. So if you have somebody taking that shot, you, you want it to be Dame. You know this by the fact that Dame gets the ball on his hands and I thought, oh, we're going to win. So that's how you know how good he is. That shot was in. I mean, when he released it, I'm going, oh, geez, yeah. we're going to overtime after all this crap. Now I'm going to have to rewrite my recap. But uh, yeah, no, that shot was in. And if yeah. you watch it, again, it was just slightly left quarter inch. And you're going like, isn't it amazing how Dame missed nine, but when the game was on, or missed eight, but when the game was on the line, he hit it. Yeah, because more than likely he would have. Yeah. And he'll hit the next one. So. Yep. So that's a wrap up of game one. Uh, of the season you know obviously we've got 81 more to go <laughs> we're gonna oh, talk boy. about them all yeah <laughs> i i can't take 81 more that are like this so hopefully uh hopefully the season gets a little easier to 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 watch let's um, let's go for just giving up 90 in three quarters i mean that's 30 points a quarter you can do that right I mean, I mean, even giving up 30 points a quarter sounds really obnoxious. That's a 120-point game on average. If you can't manage that, I can't help you. Nobody can help you. If you give up 100 points in three quarters, no one's going to be able to save your season. Just do that, and let's then work from there. I saw this commercial for these things. They're soles that you put in your shoe, and it gives you like five, four or five inches of height. And I'm just thinking that maybe we should order those for the Blazers and give us an edge this season, like a four-eight Dame or a, a you know a, a four-eight CJ. Like that could be helpful. You say four-eight. I mean six-eight. Six. Are you thinking of you? <laughs> Dia's like, I wish I could night. dunk. Dia's life and the Blazers are like, if I had those souls, I'd be four foot eight and I could dunk finally. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, six foot eight. For the it, record, I'm I'm over five feet tall, barely. That's but what I am. that's what she says. Oh uh, but, man, yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> six <laughs> big, eight, big personality, wow. itty bitty package. So anyway, wow. like yeah, wow. No. Get him at least for Norm. But yeah, I'm just saying, I'm thinking we should we should uh, we should get him that it would give us a <laughs> a little bit more height. Yeah, um, it, I mean, it, yeah, just a little more defense, just a little better defense, and we can start talking about the Blazers being decent to good. I mean, yeah. and, 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 and that's a start. The, everything in the system, everything we've said can still happen. The growth curve yep. can still happen. You yep. just have to defend while you're learning. That's yeah. That's the deal. It's game one, guys. Like, it's it's game one. We We've got time. We have a whole season in front of us. And until we are out, we are not out. So um, we have one more thing we have to talk about because it's been a hot topic. Um, it's been something that we have talked about on this podcast for the last, I don't know how many weeks. The man is not even a blazer and we can't stop talking about him. Uh, ben Simmons, for those of you who are new here, 
or new to the NBA, because if <laughs> there's no way you haven't heard about this otherwise, um, Ben Simmons, it, the, the saga continues. Um, since our last podcast, he was in Philadelphia, showed up for a game. Um, a practice. The, or practice. Sorry. Thank you. It's 1145 at night. And apparently my brain is it's getting 1245 where I am. Yeah. I am not quite there yet. I got an hour, but he showed up for practice and apparently started the practice. The story goes that he was asked to do a drill, refused to do the drill. Coach asked him to leave practice. He left practice was then, you know, fine or, uh, unable to play the first game. Uh, with the team. So there's some drama happening here. Um, Joel Embiid did an interview where he said, I don't care about the guy. Um, you know, there, there's, there's some drama. So I, I've got some thoughts about this. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of conversation about whether he's worth the, the hassle at this point, even still, if it was an option, I've heard a lot of conversation about how maybe he's doing these things to try to drive down his value so that the team doesn't get as much for him, uh, I guess, out of, you know, spite. I, I, I'm not sure what the thinking is there. There's a lot of talk about this. And so I'm going to give my take and then Dave, you can, you can say what you want to say, but my take is this. I think that this is a difficult situation. I think it's been a bad situation that he wanted out of. That is not a secret. So he pushes for this trade. Um, in the meantime, Daryl Morey isn't getting what he wants for him. And so he sits. He sits there and he sits there and he sits there. And, and they're not getting what they want. So they're not making the trade. But it, he's made it very public that he wants out. And Philadelphia is brutal. It is not a place that you want to be on bad terms with people. The news is portraying him as a literal trash can leaving the city. Like the, I watched the news clip. They showed a trash can leaving the city and said it was footage of Ben Simmons. This is the news. This isn't even like Twitter. Um, you know, his own teammates are coming out saying that they don't care about him, whatever else. He's obviously not making it easy either and not always making the best moves, but there's a lot of stuff going on here. And, and my take on this is it's a, it's a, it's a bad situation and there's a lot of emotion. And this is a, this is a hurt man. I think this is a guy who's been, who's, who wanted out. It didn't happen as smoothly as he'd hoped or as quickly as he'd hoped. And now he's stuck and he's stuck in a place where they're talking crap and he is no longer welcome. And so I think a lot of this stuff that we're seeing is probably a result of that. I think that there's emotion that's, that's there. I think he's upset. I think he's hurt, maybe a little bit embarrassed. I think the team is upset and frustrated because one, like they're, they're a basketball team and they're a basketball team with, with names on the team. And they don't want all the attention going to Ben Simmons trying to get out of there. You know, they're trying to start their season. Um, so they're upset. And I, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of feelings and a lot of emotion wrapped up in this. And so what I think we're seeing is not so much a guy who is trying to drive down his trade value as someone who's a little hurt and lost here. Um, for me personally, that's a really long way of saying that ultimately, if if there was a trade for Ben Simmons to come to Portland, uh, I would still I still think it's worth the hassle, uh, if you want to call it hassle. I think it's a situation where he wants out of there so badly that if he gets somewhere else, 
um, and he's able to to fit in there and and be a part of something, he's probably going to be happy. It's like when you get out of a toxic relationship where you've been treated badly, and the first relationship you get into, if they treat you even decently, you think they're amazing. And Portland fans are going to embrace him and love him and nurse him back to health um, because, the, you know, it's it, there. That's what Portland fans do. And I think that team is the same. I think the team will treat him like a princess. Well, that's a terrible term to use there. But like in the form of a relationship, they're going to treat him like royalty and they're going to, you know, they're going to let him be himself and have a place and I think it would be a really good situation for him. And I, I almost think it would be better for Ben Simmons to be in Portland than it would for Portland to have Ben Simmons. Um, I, I think Ben Simmons almost needs a place like Portland. So I don't know if it's realistic. I've said before, I don't see this happening because of our front office and whatever else. I do not see us making a trade for him. Also, I just want to go on record as saying I don't really love the idea of letting go of CJ um, I've gone back and forth about that at this point in the season. I, I don't know how I feel about that. But that being said, I, I do think that it, it could be a good thing. So that's my very long take on that. Yeah, I agree with all that in principle. I mean, it's different people handle things different ways. And as we often say, players are human beings. Now, obviously, how Ben Simmons is handling this is impacting the basketball end of things. And there should be some pretty strong boundaries there when that happens something's broken down and that he's not blameless in that okay and people who are criticizing him are not incorrect that this should not happen at the same time the reality is it is happening it has happened and once things have happened it's no good talking about how they should have been you have to deal with how they are yeah and people deal with things in different ways uh, and Ben Simmons is not built to deal with this situation. That is clear. So, the alternatives are two. Either you rebuild Ben Simmons, or you put him in a different situation. And I'm not sure that rebuilding Ben Simmons is on the agenda for anyone right now, including Ben Simmons. So, you find him a new place where variables are different and he has a different thing to grow into where the boundaries kind of recede and you're not beyond them anymore. And then you have a chance to grow in a new direction. And I agree that Portland is just about the best possible place that could happen for a host of reasons. And as I've said before, I would have no hesitation trading CJ McCollum for him, even with CJ's obvious, 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 wonderful performance tonight, wonderful player, everything. I, I have no hesitation uh, in trading CJ for him, moving Norman Powell to shooting guard, bringing Anthony Simons off the bench in, bench in both guard reserve positions. And Ben Simmons is your new ball handling small forward. Your defense improves exponentially right now. Um, you don't lose. In fact, you gain ball handling. Uh, CJ scoring is made up for by Norm and perhaps by Anthony as well. Damian Lillard now has less competition for his shots, but also someone else to help handle the ball and make plays. There is nothing wrong with that equation for Portland at all, unless you say Simmons just can't play in the NBA anymore for any reason. And I'm not entirely convinced of that. He's going to get a second chance somewhere. It might as well be here. Do you think it's a realistic possibility? 
depends on how bad it gets. If the, the unrealism right now is what Philadelphia will take, and that's the sticking point. But if Philadelphia will take CJ, unless Portland's front office is convinced that Simmons is just a toxic, terrible player, and keep in mind, as I think you have mentioned before, this is the team who have absorbed Yusuf Nurkic and turned that around. Uh, this is a team who absorbed Carmelo Anthony and turned that around. This is a rehabbing team emotionally. So uh, I think, you know, obviously, I think if the Blazers think he's irredeemable or just going to be a real negative influence, I agree. They will not do that. That's never been their MO. But if they think that he has room, they have to look at it for the skill, for the fact that this guy's 24 or 25 and not 30 like CJ is, for the fact that he's a former number one pick. I mean, he, he ticks every box you'd want, except for the problem he's having right now. If, if I'm the Blazers and looking at my potential future uh, and looking at the prospects of this lineup and where it's going and what I need on this team, I gamble that I can fix Ben uh, quicker than I can fix my roster without him. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I, it just seems like the more time passes, the more likely it is that they'll settle for less than they originally wanted um, because it's not an option for him to go back to that team. So they've got to just get what they can. I don't know. It, it seems like hope springs eternal for Portland fans right now with this, you know, they keep, it keeps coming up. It keeps being a topic of conversation. I'm not hearing that so much with other teams anymore. I don't know if you are, but I don't really hear other team. Or other Everybody's emotionally so criticizing him and whatever. That's the big thing to do because we all like to pretend like we're superior. Of course, we'd never do that. You're not in the guy's shoes. And by the way, you've thrown a, you know, what, fit in certain aspects of your life, be them personal or professional. I'm not talking about you, Dia, but all of I us I mean, have. for sure I have. <laughs> We've thrown fits and, and right. gotten ourselves into situations that we shouldn't have been in and couldn't get out of emotionally and just got stuck in that rut. And we needed something to break it out of us. So I see no, I don't agree with what he's done. I don't think he's done the right thing, but I'm not going to sit here on my high horse saying, this is terrible and I'd never do this and pretending like that's not also me sometimes because you know what? It is. Is. So, I, you know, just like I hope that I get a second chance or get to have a reputation yeah. beyond that, I think he should too. And hey, again, there is no better fit for him. There's no better opportunity for him. And if the price goes low enough for the Trailblazers, there's, there's no better answer for what ails them right now than he is. So yeah, I mean, do it. And, and and see what happens. It's probably better. Well, let me ask you this too, by the way, emotionally. When Ben Simmons, let's say Ben Simmons gets traded to Portland for a reasonable price. When Ben Simmons takes the floor for the first time, what's the reaction of Portland's crowd going to be to him? In my opinion, they're going to cheer like crazy. Of course they will. It's going to be a yeah. standing ovation. They're yeah. going to wrap him up in warmth and stuff. Now, he may play his way out of that. I don't deny that's potentially possible. But he's going to get all the warmth, all the love, all the chances, all the hope, all the restart here. And this is his shot to get it. So, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that scenario. The only thing wrong with it from Portland's point of view is having to pay too much to get him. And if you don't have to do that, you do it all day. Yeah, I agree. Let's end it on a, I think, positive note. Um, as always, I always try, always try to end it on a positive note. Dame 
Dame came out tonight and gave quite a speech yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. He was quoted as saying that, you know, he's uh, once again putting to rest the rumors and saying that no matter if it gets hard or, or it's not a perfect season, he's here for the long haul. He's here to stay. He's not going anywhere. And then tonight before the game came out and gave a, a speech, I obviously am not local. I'm not there. I only saw the piece of the speech that was put um, on Twitter and basically said, you know, that that this season may not be perfect, but that they're going to work hard. And uh, I think that seems to be the expectation going into this, um, even within the, the players. They, they're aware of this drastic change in leadership that is very inexperienced. And I think that they they're, you know, they're going into this knowing that they're going to put in the work and knowing that that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be perfect. I'm happy to see Dame. I, no matter how many times he says it, it doesn't get old to hear Damian Lillard commit to your team. It just doesn't like he I could hear him say that every single day and be perfectly happy every single time he says it. Um, it's like uh, we all <laughs> I don't know why we always go back to relationships. It's such a good comparison with this. But it's like when you're in a relationship, you don't get tired of someone telling you they love you. Like mm -hmm. you want to hear it as much as possible. You want to hear how great they think you are and how wonderful you are and how they want to be with you forever. And so, like, obviously, we want to hear that from Dame as much as possible. It's a dopamine um, hit. I mean, yeah, but yeah, I'm not in a relationship. So I will say you don't get tired of the creamy inside of that Bavarian cream donut like ever. Like every time you bite into one, you hope the cream is in there. So, okay. You, you don't like Bavarian <laughs> I don't cream even donut. know what that is. You know, those donuts okay. with the little chocolate top and the white cream inside and then you bite it. Yeah. In the cream? Okay. You don't get tired. I've never heard them called that. that. That's what they're called. Literally. Okay. Okay. Learn something new every day. I don't know what day. you call them. <laughs> I'm trying to think what I call them because uh, there's something that we call them, but all of a sudden it, I'm blanking and I can't remember. Okay. So, so listen, I'll tell you a story about relationships. Okay. This is the first about year. About relationships or donuts? That both. This, and then we'll get back to Dame. But this is the first year that, you know, I've, of my divorce, which is always interesting for the kids and it's always up and down. And, you know, I'm not a conservative guy at all, but like parenting, I, you know, kind of take the straight and narrow. But I'm, I'm looking at my children and going, there's nothing that's going to redeem the stress that's going on right now with them. There's no, like, no way to resurrect this. There's no way to talk your way out of it. There's no way to process it. So what I said is, come on, let's get in the car. We're going to the store and having an effort day. And I used the profanity too. And they're like, dad? I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> Today, we're just saying, F it, we're going to the store, we're buying any damn thing that we want, bring it home to eat it, right? And they're like... This is this is a healthy way to cope, Dave. I, I am I on board I think so. Well, I guess, sure, <laughs> teach them that sugar cures all pain. But, so we went and we got like, we got like a bunch of donuts and pop and other stuff, of course. Uh, and we just took it home and sat down and ate whatever we wanted, but those Bavarian cream donuts. Bismarck! Like, this is, yeah, the Bismarck's, that works too. That's yeah. what I... Mm -hmm. So yeah, we sank the Bismarcks. Uh, anyway, uh, we so this is literally okay. No matter how bad things are going, you lose to Sacramento. You give up hundred points in the third quarter to Sacramento, right? Uh, you're looking at a season that's not going to be what you expect, and everybody knows it. Dame is that thing. Dame is the thing you go to the store for. Hearing him say that, watching him shoot, yeah. watching him play, he's literally the thing that makes everything okay. So yeah, yeah. now circling back perspective and then you you have the last word on this because it needs to be positive but folks perspective on this 
Does everybody remember LaMarcus Aldridge? Uh, and I'm not going to say that LaMarcus said one thing and did another, because I don't think he actually did. Uh, to what we know of that story is that he was pretty consistent, just the Blazers covered it with PR pretty well and encouraged him to do so. But what we should remember about LaMarcus Aldridge is when his future was in doubt, he got asked every single post-game interview LaMarcus, what's your plans for the future? Home game, road game, Portland media, everybody else's media. LaMarcus, what are you going to do at the end of the season? LaMarcus, how's this going? LaMarcus, you haven't made a statement. LaMarcus, you only made one statement. LaMarcus, has it changed this week, right? And Aldridge, this is part of why I think he spoke as strongly as he did. He just got sick of it. And I think the team got sick of it. It's a huge distraction. Now, no matter how Damian Lillard feels, and I don't doubt that he feels exactly like he said. I just, like I said a couple days ago, that's not the only thing he feels, and we know it, but this is the appropriate thing to lean into right now at the start of the season, and especially facing that potential question all damn year long. What do you say? Here's how I feel, and you turn to a certain angle to where this is the only feeling that shows and the only thing that matters, because it is the only thing that matters right now. Here's how I feel. I love Portland. I'm staying in Portland. I push Portland to get better, and I have no regrets for that, but I want to win here. End of story. Does not mean that'll be true later. Does not mean that story will be the same this summer he could, or next summer. He could turn to another angle and show the other side of that too, which is that he's not going to win here and that he actually has a better chance to win somewhere else. But that's not the side of the story to say now or to show now. And by the way, if he does, it's going to be an absolute unmitigated disaster. So what you love about this is that Damian Lillard knows exactly the right thing to say. Damian Lillard says it. And Damian Lillard says it not just because it's convenient for him, but also because it's what's good and right for his franchise, for his teammates, and for all of us right now. And you absolutely applaud that. Um, and I, I appreciate it deeply. Even if, by the way, he ends up not wanting to be here next summer it's still good that he said this now. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're probably I, I think you're probably right in the sense that you know it's hard to know what's going to happen from year to year. I you know, Dame, I I truly believe that he's committed right now and will be here all year. I don't see him going uh, in you know mid season. I think he'll stick it out. Um, if this if this year is a complete flop, my guess is he will probably can still do everything he can to stay. But if changes don't get made, uh, you know, then we might be talking about something different. But I also think that, you know, his tune has changed a little. And maybe part of that is just the simple fact that we're going into the season and this is the team he's with. And he can't be saying, well, we'll see or whatever. He needs to be definitive about it. Um, but, you know, Dame, for, for what it's worth, Dame has been, in my opinion, a, a man of his word. He's been someone who has said what he means and means what he says. And I think until he gives us a reason not to, we believe that. Yeah. Um, and, and so for now, you know, we are really lucky that game after game, week after week, we get to watch Damian Lillard put on a Portland Trailblazer jersey and play for our team. Yeah, and that's exactly what we should enjoy this year and not worry about the future. I mean, because I, I think Blazer fans should make a pact among themselves. If Dame wants out next summer, as hard as that is, we should 
I mean, give him our blessing is stupid because we have no control over it, but kind of emotionally, that kind of, you know, aura kind of thing, we should be kind of okay with that. Because look at realistically, I mean, we talked about this in bits and pieces before, but let's say this year does not go well, okay? Like, just like you said, it's not just that the year is not going to go well. Everybody thinks, well, they'll try again next year, but with what? Okay, because they're already capped out next year with just the salaries they have, and that salary, those salaries do not include Yusuf Nurkic and Robert Covington. Resigning both of those, as we've talked about before, would push them into the luxury tax. How do you go into luxury tax when, in our scenario, our team has not succeeded this year? Our team had a bad year. You can't go in the luxury tax for a bad team. So if Damian Lillard is coming back to try again, it means he's coming back to try with essentially the same team, minus Yusuf Nurkic, minus Robert Covington. Who in the universe thinks that's going to work? And I'm not saying they couldn't find someone else, perhaps, uh, either mid-season trade or maybe they re-signed one of those or something. Uh, they, they have a mid-level exception, perhaps they can use, but they're not going to be able to, they're not going to be able to bring this team back and add to it. It's going to be less of a team any way you go, and the team as is didn't succeed. If that's the point that they're at, nobody gets to blame Dame from saying, okay, this is this is it. We've made the run. There's no farther we can go. There's no more we can improve. I would really love to go somewhere where there's upside. And 10 years I've given, the best 10 years of my career, I would love to go somewhere while I'm still in my prime and still have stuff to give where I feel like I contrib- contribute to a championship. And if he says that, nobody gets to come back here and say, but you said last season, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'm glad he said it this season. But if things change it's okay if he changes too. Yeah, you're really trying to not make this in on a good note, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, it will be, you know, it, I think it will be... It would be, be sad. It would be sad, but it would be a happy sad. He did, he did everything. He, gave, he did everything conceivable. The only thing he yeah. didn't do was sacrifice his entire career so we could feel better. Right. I think at yeah. that point, we all need to feel better and let him go. Because we can yeah. control how we feel. We can say, 10 years, God bless him. He was amazing. Can you believe? Look at the YouTube highlights we all got. Right. We can make ourselves happy that way and still let him be happy rather than demand that he change his entire life and give up stuff just so we can feel better without any real resolution for him. Yeah, I think Dame has earned the respect of the fans and I think he's he I think if he gets to a point where he asks out the majority of fans will be supportive and and will probably follow him as fans wherever he goes when Clyde went to Houston I became a Houston fan I was still a Trailblazer fan but for the years that he was in Houston I was a Houston fan because I was a Clyde fan and I think that we are in an age now even more so where people are fans of players even more than they're fans of a team Um, and I think that that we will see that if if Dame ends up somewhere else, there will probably be a lot of play- fans of that team for the time that he's there because he's Dame. You want to know a secret? I was yeah. actually, I was happy for Sheed when he won a title in Detroit. I well, mean, yeah. and I was not happy with how Rashid left. I was not happy with that whole last year and all that there. I get it. It was super problematic and it was super painful. Okay. 
Still, seeing him succeed in Detroit was really pretty cool because I also remembered young Sheed and what he had done for the Blazers and how damn good he was in a couple of those playoff runs and how he changed the fortunes of this team. I mean, he was the linchpin of that uh, of the organization during those years when they really succeeded at a pretty high level. So, if if I can get over Sheed and and root for him. I think people can get over Dame. I mean, and yeah. root, Dame leaving and root for him. I don't think that'll actually be pretty very hard unless he goes to a certain Los Angeles team that shall not be named. That would be the one exception uh, that uh, it would make it hard to root for him at that point. But but even that, I find myself really rooting for Carmelo Anthony this year. Granted, that being said, I didn't mind when he messed up, and it was funny, and it didn't penalize my team at all. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I can't, we can't, that. you know, that's a, that's a, that's a thing too far. That's, that's, you know, rooting, rooting for Melo on the Lakers. No, it's not rooting for that LA team is just, I live in LA, Dave. I know. And you hate it. You hate the people <laughs> that you have to talk basketball with. This is why I you're doing like- this podcast. I don't like the LA fans. This is what I've decided. The The team itself is not terrible. I don't like the fans. The fans are obnoxious. Okay. So, Dia, so really, okay. So, Dame goes to that team and that oh, team's fans good. start telling you, yeah, he wasted all his time in Portland. And he I'm finally not got saying here. You should go and he to was LA. completely destined to be here always because every good player comes here. And uh, the time he spent with you was a total waste of time. So I'm not saying he should go to LA. I'm not saying I'd be happy for him to go to LA. That's the last team I'd want him to go for. The only, when this was all happening and all these conversations were happening and all the Lakers fans thought for sure Dame was going to go to Lakers, which by the way, I never thought was going to happen. And I told them such, all my friends are like, Oh, he's going to come here. He's going to be in LA, blah, blah, blah. And the one upside to that, the one upside for me to that selfishly is, I can go to the Staples Center every single time he plays there and watch him play in person. I don't get to do that because he's a Blazer and he is in Portland and I don't get to go to Portland. If he was a Laker, I could go watch him play. I actually got to a point where I started hoping he'd go to the Clippers because then he wouldn't be on the Lakers, but he'd be local here and I could go watch him play all the time. So, but James not leaving. So let's leave that on a positive and, note. And he also doesn't have the personality to want to go to the Lakers. He just doesn't. That's that's no, antithetical, Dave. He's not making up this stuff about wanting to win with a small market team and wanting yeah. to be... It's not just the guy. He literally... Right. I think he literally wants to give people something they've never been given before. And the Lakers would be like, yeah, championship. That's nice. Right. It's like giving the rich yeah. kid 10 bucks. Yeah. That's not... Dame's not going to be 10 bucks. He wants to be your million bucks. And yeah. he's going to do it, you know, in a place that... Utah or, you know, I believe Golden State because that's his home. And by the way, they don't win it every year and their championship record is only a decade old. So I think that would be totally cool. They'd love him. He'd love it. But I think the Lakers are antithetical to the Dame philosophy and how he wants to be perceived and how he perceives himself. So I would say that would be one of the least likely candidates. I mean, the Knicks. I don't even I don't even know why we're talking about this. I'm shutting this down because Dame's not leaving. He's staying here. This was supposed to be a positive note, Dave. It is. It's it's uh, it's Dame's not going to the Lakers. <laughs> talking about talking about Dame even thinking about going to the Lakers is is a little bit painful. So let's just not do that. I I just don't. I can't. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. Lakers fans would probably let him take the last shot without complaining. Maybe Philly fans wouldn't. <laughs> you miss one in Philadelphia and you're a trash can. <laughs>
So, and on that note, <laughs> yeah, he's got to go to New York. It, 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 New York would Dave, be. Dave, like we're not talking about Dame leaving. Dame's not leaving, and this is supposed to be a happy ending. That's right. <laughs> this is not a happy ending. You're killing me. Sushi. Oh, <laughs> donuts. No. Yeah, Pizza. sushi donuts. <laughs> Pizza. And pizza is okay. I mean, okay. Yeah, you good. Okay. So, like, roll up the pizza and make a calzone. Now, those are good. Have you had calzone? Have you ever had, have you ever had a cookie pizza? Yeah, I mean, cookie pizzas are good. I got one of those for my confirmation class, like, uh, last week. And oh, well, they're pretty good. Yeah. They're good. I try they're to delicious. eat very little of them. I've lost weight. So, you know, I'm trying to, like, not eat stuff like that. But calzones are really good. Fish and chips. Yeah. Do you like fish and There's- chips? Um, depends yeah. on the fish. Oh, Lord. Yeah, it depends. Uh, I actually like. Go ahead. I like seafoods mostly. Like what kind of seafood? I mean, my favorite is like crab. Okay. Crab. If I could eat one food for the rest of my life, it would probably be crab okay. or tacos. Like real crab or like fakey crab? No, real crab. Like you crack it open and eat it. Okay. It's a lot of work, but I agree. We it used is. To, we used to have a crab feed in, in this little town that I served in. I mean, like well, every. We- we, I, I, when I lived in Oregon, I lived in Brookings, which if any of you are familiar with the state of Oregon, it's on the coast. Um, my uncle lives in Coos Bay. And so um, we, there was a lot obviously going on on the coast. And, and uh, the last time I went up and visited my uncle in Coos Bay for dinner and like down here, uh, especially Dungeness crab is really expensive. Um, but my uncle was like, oh, you want crab? We'll just go put the crab pots out. So he just took this boat out and dropped the crab pots and we came back for him later and we feasted. I mean, I ate as much crab. I ate so much crab. I couldn't eat any more crab. It was fantastic. Will your yes, uncle Dave. adopt me? <laughs> Probably not. He won't even adopt me. Hey, so. <laughs> uncle. Hey, Dia's uncle. Hi, I'm Dave. Uh, <laughs> feed me crab. <laughs> feed me crab. That's right. Okay. It was, so, it's so good. So uh, our local Albertsons, you know, that's... Northwest store. They had uh, like king crab legs, like really big ones. Sixty dollars a yeah, pound. Yeah, it's wild. And it's expensive. I was like, I was like, if it's sixty dollars a pound, is it even food anymore? I mean, I just, I, of course, I would never. You're I basically just eating that. money at that. Yeah, point. yeah. Why not just yeah, saute up some Kruger ants or yeah, like I've I've never seen. I mean, I guess some beef is like 25 or I mean, 30 like certain cuts lot. of beef but it's like for lot. here $60 a pound is a ton and, and you're not I mean it's going to be expensive to get enough to fill up on yeah well and you know what I would be mortally afraid of is cooking it wrong like I would be so nervous putting that in the pot uh, like yeah so do you steam it or do you boil it or what do you do I don't crab. cook it. I just you don't. I, oh, okay, I, yeah. I've silly, stupid question. I don't cook it. Someone else cooks it for me. I don't I just cook eat it. it. So, See, I, I just. I'm not. I'm not a big cook. I can cook. Um, but my like when I was a kid, my mom was really sick, and uh, my dad was very busy, and so I just kind of fended for myself. But that didn't really include cooking. It it included whatever I could reach in the fridge that I could make quickly. So I never really learned until I was an adult. And so I can cook, um, but not fancy. I, I, I could probably figure it out, but it's not the kind of thing where you can ask me what you do with it and I could just rattle it off for you. I'd have to look it up and, and figure it out. I've made lobster before, but I couldn't tell you how I did it. Like I followed directions. Um, so steam it. I, cut, cut its shell open, turn it upside down and steam it. Throw some butter yeah, in there. I, I would have to. Yeah, but have to. garlic. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. So 
shrimp. Yeah, I, I cl- love making shrimp. That's one of my oh, favorite things to make. Okay, honey, honey, ginger shrimp stir fry. Uh, I, I like lemon really garlic. Lemon, lemon garlic, garlic is also good, right? Yeah. So, okay, folks, this is what happens when Dave and Dia push like towards 2 a.m. Oh, I forgot <laughs> we were recording. I actually, I legitimately <laughs> forgot we were recording yeah. because this is, we'll just have these conversations when we're not recording. And I just realized we were This is like recording. a four hour podcast. Oh, <laughs> like, okay, we should go. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, folks, we pushed that beyond the limits of whatever, <laughs> but we hope that you both love Damian Lillard and are hungry and can get over the Trailblazers' bad defense. And may your next- We ended game- it on a good note. Yeah, if I see shrimp, may crab, your, may your next game be full of opposing 25 point quarters and uh, crab legs stuffed with Bavarian cream, and we'll all have fun. For Dia Miller, I'm Dave Deckard. We will see you next time. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, Get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave sends her an alley oop. She jams it. Boom! Shakalaka! The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent! 